Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. Ancient word, ever true, changing me and changing you. Have come with open hearts, all oh, that the ancient world impart. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. It open hearts, oh, let the ancient world. Let's take it one more time for the last time. Lift your hands. Ancient words, ever true, changing me and changing you. chapter 24 and verse 32 Luke 24 and verse 32 Luke 24 and verse 32 and they said one to another did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? Turn it down a little bit. I say, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? In other words, the word himself, the Bible describes Jesus in the book of John chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word himself was searching the scriptures and revealing the word to them in obedience to the word. What that scripture was trying to show to us was that the word himself, which is Jesus, is self-compliance with the scripture. Which means that the scripture and the word is one. And so when it was showing the scriptures to them, their hearts were burning because Jesus himself was revealing himself through the text to the people. This is very important. That the word is a major anchor of our devotion. And this is why this evening in the subject of devotion, I want to teach us how to study and interpret and comprehend and understand the word this might as well be one of the critical teachings that is required for your spiritual growth and your spiritual journey 
this is very important because you see no matter what it is that you know about the word of God if you do not know how to study the word you don't have the clear cut direction the Bible put it this way it says the labor of the fool weary them for they do not know how to enter into the city look at that scripture and let's dissect it for a bit it means that the, the fool are willing to get into the city but they do not know how to in other words a believer is willing to know the word of God but he does not know how to how shall these things be how can I be born again many times in the scriptures you will see text of questions because number one there is a willingness but the how has always been the problem sometimes we don't only judge the willingness we need to answer the question of the how because until the how is answered the willingness there would make you look like a, a laboring fool that would never know how to enter the, into the city if I want to travel from here to Japan there is an how of how to get to Japan if I start walking from today I would not get there in one year if I start walking I'll be burnt out wind out because I don't know the how what is the how get a flight board your flight and find your way there to that city by the special grace of God today I want to help you study understand how to study the Bible this is very foundational but this is a critical part of your Christian journey. Earlier today, the theme of the service was devotion, how to pray. And while I was studying to teach you how to pray, I realized that if you read the book of Matthew chapter 11, when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, the prayer he was teaching them there was word-based prayers. In other words, if you know how to pray and you don't understand the word, you will pray amiss. It is very likely that you are going to pray amiss. In fact, let me put this to you. The more you begin to study the word, the more you will realize that some of the things that you are calling prayer is actually you reflecting and showcasing your fear, but you are calling it prayer. But the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, the language of the spirit is faith. So you come to God with fear and you are praying fear. Fear does not have any inroad in the realms of the spirit. The language of the spirit is faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's why the scripture says, the just shall live by faith. Glory to God. The Bible puts it this way about God. It said, even God that called those things that be not as though they were. In other words, it was trying to say to us that even God is operating by the law of faith. Praise the name of the Lord. That's why it's very important that we understand how to study the word so that we can pray word dead prayers. And you will realize that some of the prayers that you have been praying are not justifiable according, listen to what I'm about to say to you, according to the word. I've been in times of prayer meetings before and the first 25, 30 minutes of a prayer meeting, someone is using that 25, 30, 50 minutes to pray, to ask God to forgive us for one hour. You know, if you don't ask God for forgiveness, you can die tomorrow. If you know, you see, many prayers is centered around religion. But for you to even know how to pray, because prayer is the extension through which you receive things from God. But it has to be worded prayer. This is why Jesus told disciples, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you remember, I shared this with you on Sunday at the service. 
And I told you, I showed you what Jesus was referring to there. I love the way he put it in the next verse. It said, let our lives be at the center of your will. That's worded prayer. In other words, the first leg of prayer is the prayer of consecration. Glory to God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So if we begin to look at the sequence of prayer, you see that it's first and foremost, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If I can get God's will to be done on the earth, then give us this day our daily bread will be the easiest thing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why we must centralize everything about our, our Christian journey, our Christian belief, our Christian theology on the basis and the foundation of the word of God. Glory be to God. Psalm 63 and verse 1. Psalm 63 and verse 1. Sheramanda Pala. Look at how the psalmist was praying to the Lord here. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and a tested land where there is no water. Next verse. Next verse. It says, So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and to see your glory. Next verse. Verse 3. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Next verse. Verse 4. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Next verse. Verse 5. My soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips look at this powerful text of scriptures go to the next verse verse 6 verse 6 it says when i remember you on my bed i meditate on you in the night of watches go to the next verse verse 7 verse 7 because you have been my help therefore in the shadow of your wings i will rejoice next verse verse 8 it says my soul follows close behind you your right hands oppose me Look at this powerful text that we have read. But let's go back to verse 1 to see how this powerful text was experienced in his life. It says, Oh God, my God, early will I seek you. In other words, there is a seeking to be able to experience all of these things that he said. Glory be to God. There is a seeking. Now let me say this to you, and I know that I teach the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I teach it very soundly so, but I want you to listen to what I'm about to say to you. Listen very, very critically to what I'm about to say to you. The language of the spiritual is sacrifice. The language of the spiritual is sacrifice. The language of the realms of the spirit is sacrifice. I've taught you before about the power of substitution. In other words, if God wants to inherit all the whole earth, then he has to give up Jesus. Jesus. Glory be to God. If Abraham wants to be the father of all nations, then he has to give up Isaac. Are you following what I'm saying? Glory be to God. If you want to experience eternal life, then you have to be born again. The power of sacrifice, the power of substitution. This is also a very critical part of our Christian faith and our Christian journey, particularly when it comes to the subject of devotion, that devotion, true Christian biblical devotion is anchored on the same, uh, the, the, the same power that cooperates and operates the realm of the spirit, which is sacrifice. I tell you the truth. I'm not going to say to you so that you can just have a goosebump feeling and wake up in the morning and say, glory be to God, I love you, Lord, and you are very great. That's why, while that is great, while that is good, the Bible puts it this way, if you seek me, you will find me when thou seekest me with all of thy earth. In other words, there is a 
pressing of sacrifice that is required in order to be able to see and understand the true power of God. This is why Apostle Paul prayed the prayer that he prays, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. Look at Ephesians 1 17. Let's look at that. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. Let's look at it at the TPT version. Tonight, I want to teach you on how to study the word. Listen to me, everybody. By the time I'm done with this teaching, when you read your Bible, you are going to be laughing, enjoying it, happy, excited, because you will find out eventually that you are one who have found the grace point by the word of God. That this thing is more than gold. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That this thing is more than everything you can seek of. The Bible puts it this way that even the Gentiles seek after this thing. It says, seek it first. When we are talking about the kingdom of God, is first bounded by the word. This is the constitution of the kingdom. If you want to know Nigeria, you have to read the constitution. If we don't read the constitution, you cannot know Nigeria. Seek it first the kingdom. In other words, seek it first the constitution. When you read the constitution, then you can apply yourself to the happenings and to the dictate of the Nigeria or the place that you belong to this is the constitution this is the direction this is the path, this is the pattern glory be to God this is to help many people who are caught in the middle road of I love to pray or I love to worship more than I love the word, listen to me, you don't have a solid devotion if you love to pray and you love to worship and you don't love the word the word is the first time point of every other thing in fact your worship is anchored on this your prayer is anchored on this you start with the other two you miss this person here this is the word in the beginning was the word in other words this is jesus revealed himself this is christ praise the lord this is christ ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 look at it in the tpt version it says i pray this is apostle paul prayer this is so powerful it says, I pray that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through what? Deepened intimacy with him. How do you know him? Deepened intimacy with him. How do I know my wife? Deepened intimacy with her. How do I know my friends? Deepened intimacy. Glory be to God. Look at how he says you are going to know him. How are you going to experience the spirit of wisdom and revelation? He says deepened intimacy with him. Ezekiel chapter 47 shows us the three levels of this. The ankle level, the waist level, and the overflowing level. Deepened intimacy with him. Glory be to God. This is why Jesus said this. He says, as I see my father, so do I. Everything I see my father do, so do I. This is very powerful. In other words, how did Jesus excel on the earth? Everything he saw God do, he was doing it. This is why Jesus said in his word, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, anything you ask of me in my name, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, in other words, if you see me the way I see you, you're going to get anything in my name. Glory be to God. This is why we are very, it's very important for us to know the word. Thank you, Lord. Verse 18. Look at verse 18. Verse 18. Media, you have to be so fast. You know, anybody who is there, please be as smart as fast as possible. It says, I pray that the light of, of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. My goodness. All of you struggling to imagine things. You know, there's a way that the word of God changes your mind. That's why the Bible put it this way in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It says the word of God is quick, powerful and sharp. Sharper than you do edges sword. Give me that scripture. It says piercing into 
dividing asunder of soul, spirit, soul, and body, which means the three tripetal parts of a human body, the word of God can get into it. It means that your mind, that part of you that feels that everything, look, every time we read the word, we only think that the only the only place the word has a power or has an impact is in our spirit. No, sir. The word of God can touch your mind. The word of God can touch your bodies. The word of God can touch your spirit. Look at that. This, the, for the word of God is quick, living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the devotion of soul and spirit. What is that? The, three, the two parts of the human body. And it says the joint and marrow. What is joint and marrow? Your body. So it says when, when you pray for the spirit of revelation and wisdom, Apostle Paul was saying, go back to the text that we read now. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. Apostle Paul was saying that the word of God would highlight your imagination. You begin to imagine the way, ah, my God. You begin to imagine the way God imagines. What an experience that will be for you. Wow. What an experience that will be for you. Look, the word of God is deeper than just, I want to know scriptures to quotes. It's deeper than that. It says, the, 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 it says, and I pray that the light of God would illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling that is the wealth of God's glorious riches inheritance that he finds in us his only ones. Next verse, verse 20. He says, I pray that you will continually experience, I love this one, the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith immeasurable just by reading the word just by the word it says then your lives I love this one it says your life will be an advertisement of this immense power my God how can your life be an advertisement a showpiece your life become an ad an ad commercial for you to have an ad commercial you must first produce the ad commercial it means that God will produce an ad commercial and show the world and say, come and see the ad commercial. Think about it. What is the purpose of commercial? So that we can reproduce other, create a purchasing power for other people to be able to buy. It means your life will now be a replica. People can look at your life and then begin to, God can through your life begin to replicate that kind in the life of a person. Do you understand the power of greatness? That what we call greatness is not just, I'm great by myself. You are not great until others are becoming great through your own life. That's the greatness of the life of Abraham. How? By the word. Guys, stop joking with this thing. In the year 2024, sit down with this thing called the word. Sit with it. Jesus put it this way. He says, Mary has chosen the rightful thing that will not be taken from her. He says, why are you that cumbersome? Matter, matter. Sit down with this thing. It says, your life will become an, inve an investment, an, an advertisement of this immense power as it walks through you. This is the mighty power. Glory to God. This is very important. That one of the things that the word does for you, I was sharing this earlier in the broadcast, and I said there are three ways you can make a decision or you can get anything that you want to get. Three ways you can make any decision in your life. Number one is through discernment. Number two um, is, is, is through emotions. Number three is through reasoning. But I tell you the truth. When Apostle Paul was praying this prayer, if you look at the life of Jesus, every decision that he made was beyond reasoning, was beyond emotions. Those three layers of decision making are good because you can make some decisions right through the layers of emotions, through the layers of reasoning. But you see, the most accurate of them is the discernment. 
But that one requires a deepened relationship with Christ. In other words, you are not operating like mere men. Look, you can make a decision of your life's journey or somewhere or something that you're about to do in your life by emotions. That's very fickle. Emotions is current happenings, decisions have side. External events, external things affect you and then out of that, you create a response, you make a decision. That's one level. You can reason out a matter, which means Lot looks at this whole place and says, Abraham and Lot, look, the whole ground is full. Choose a place. The Bible says that Lot looked at the place which was vast of land and good to to have to live in with waters he looked at it and chose it and God told Abraham don't worry he has chosen by reasoning but I'm going to show you something else he said lift up your head look at the stars look at the sands he said so shall thy seed be in other words I'm going to begin to show you something by discernment that reasoning will never able, will never be able to get you there so reason is great but I tell the truth, if you operate your life totally by the power of reasoning, there is limitation in your life. If God tells you by this time next year, you are going to be feeding one million people, if you try and use Pentium 3 of your brain to operate that, it will crash. That is reasoning. But discernment takes you higher to another level. You are not flying on the, Are you getting what I'm saying? It takes you to another level. But how does your discernment increases? Your discernment increases by when the word of God in your spirit, if abide in me and my words abide in you, that thing begins to create a holy fellowship a holy intercourse into one what begins to happen is that your pentium one is discarded and god then takes you to 5d level where you are beginning to see things the way he's seeing things and the realm in which he's seeing it then you are hoping to operate in another level that is operating him glory be to god this is why we we have a great devotion it's beyond just saying yeah 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 i love god and i i obeyed his word listen to this write this down your devotion does more for you than what you think. It does more for you. How do we then study this Bible? If I say to you that this is the anchor or the first leg of the relay race, a relay race usually will have three or four parts, the beginner and the finisher. I would love to put it this way. The word of God is the beginner. When you start with the word, you will know what to pray. You will hand it over to prayer. Are you following what I'm saying? You add it over to prayer, you can add fasting there. When you add it over to prayer and fasting, you can enter into meditation, the third leg. And then you now enter into acting on the word, which is the fourth leg. That's what I'm going to show you in this devotion. Those three legs. So you start there. When you start here, remember, we always say that anyone who starts the relay race, they try to put the fastest runner in the first. So that the guy is able to dust every other person so that by the time they are getting to the last leg, there's an advantage by that guy. This is why we start from the foundation of the word. This guy right here is the first guy to start with. Praise the Lord. How do we study the word? First off, let me put it this way. The word of God, the Bible is written in three languages or was written in three languages number one was written in Hebrew Aramic and also Greek it was then translated to English and then every other um, version of scriptures that we have every other language that we have now KJV is the first one that was written but you see KJV was written in the year 1611 think about that which means that at the time, the way they were speaking their English was Thou wouldest seest thou glorious power. Jesus, imagine, I tell Mr. Dekoya and says that P.S. 
we're having um, a workers party this weekend and we need to feed 5,000 people and I look at Mr. Dekoya in 21st century and I say if thou wouldest believe thou shouldest see as food as thou you know that I'm confused all of you you see this is very critical because you see English changes and there, there are certain languages that we or vocabularies that we used before I've shared this with you before in the new generation if I dress the way I'm dripping now yeah 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 dripping right focus on my teaching if I dress the way I am now if I talk to a Gen Z I say how do I look he says it's given right it's very likely maybe the give is given will enter into the dictionary in the year 2050 something or year 30 you know whatever the year is so you see that language is progressive praise the Lord now I said this because this is always the first problem of someone who wants to study the word Listen to this now. Innocently so, we men of God has added some problem to a believer that wants to grow in the knowledge of the word. You know why? Because of the bragging rights of the quoting of scriptures from King James. And as we quote those scriptures and we begin to quote it, quote it, quote it, Everyone thinks that the moment you come and quote something else that is not King James, then you don't have the power. So people have put their own spiritual devotion on knowing the word of God on reading King James and NKJV. And while King James is not bad, NKJV is not bad, you must first think about, remember this, you must first decide which translation of the word resonates and works with your own understanding. Are you following what I'm saying? There are, some, there are some translations I don't really like to read. I've not started teaching you how. I'm just saying things first. There are some translations I don't like to read because I feel like they over-expound. It's over-syllabus. I don't want to talk about those translations. But you first and foremost speak which translation you want to read. So we have different translations that I can advise you. There is the NIV. There is the NKJV. I'm still building my foundation. I'm still going on. So let's keep going. There's the NKJV. There's the Amplified Version. There is the TPT. I, I, I like the TPT. Um, there is the AMPC. The Amplified Classic. That's very powerful. One of the things you can do if you really want to force yourself to be able to quote King James Version is read the King James and check it out on those other versions. But those versions will help you see the Bible the way it is. Very important. So the first thing I want to say to you, how to study the Bible. Number one, choose a translation that you understand. Choose a translation that you understand. Glory to God. How many of you have done this before? You were writing your MBA or your master's and then you were in the class and the lecturer was teaching and you don't understand what the lecturer was saying. And then you called a friend that was getting it and was nodding his head and was answering the question of the lecturer. At the time it was done or the, the class is done, you called the, lecturer, the friend and said, can you help me summarize everything that you have said? Have you been in conversations like that? The person is explaining something to you, saying something. In your mind you have blocked, you have shut down. You are just waiting to say, when you are done, summarize everything for me. That's exactly so. Sometimes in the quest of trying to go into deeper knowledge, we get into error. 
innocently. So the first thing first is choose a translation that you would understand. Are you getting what I'm saying? Look at me everyone. The purpose of the word is for understanding. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The purpose of any information is to understand first, primarily. Are you following what I'm saying? So you seek understanding. So choose a translation that you understand. Number two, how to study the word. Choose a time and a place and a plan to study. Choose a time and a place and a plan to study. Look at me, everyone. As it is with you academically, so it is, it can be, let me put it that way, for some of you when it comes to studying the word. I'll give you a practical example. I know people who, when we're in school, the way they study is that they play music and they are reading. And when they are reading it, that way it's entering into their head. I remember one guy on campus there, I used to ask him, why you always play music? And he said that every time he remembers that music, he remembers what he read. And then he's able to answer the question in the exam hall. But that's very different from me. I don't like music. I don't want to hear any sound. I want everywhere to be quiet. So you have to learn how what works for you. If a quiet place is the one that works for you to be able to comprehend, please choose a quiet place to read the Bible. Are you following what I'm saying? Just look at yourself academically and put it side by side. It will be easy for you. If it's a noisy place, some people love to read in a noisy place. Praise the Lord. I remember when we were on campus, they would ask us when, you know, how we used to do crash program, three days to the exam, we'll go and write, we'll go and read all the books together. And we'll put our leg inside water. The people that did that the most slept. We buy coffee. We drink three cups of coffee, yet you sleep. Is it now painful? You, you drank four cups of caffeine, then you slept, and you still failed. <laughs> so you choose a place. All right? Number three, how to study the Bible. Understand the contexts of the Bible verse or the chapter of the Bible that you are reading. Understand context. Let me explain to you context. Now, look at me, everybody. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Media, if you can do this for me, this will be very helpful. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you would see the context. That's why I encourage some of you to have the art copy Bible. Because when you have the art copy Bible, you are able to see... Don't worry, don't worry. Stay with me, everybody. I want, to, I want to take this one after the other. This is teaching. So that you can be able to understand it. When you have the art copy Bible, you'll be able to see introduction. This introduction gives you context. Are you following what I'm saying? To understand what was written and why it was written and most importantly to whom it was written to now look at this in the book of first corinthians we have some very critical things that apostle paul said that has caused most of the uh debates in the body of christ one of those debates is the concept of covering your air or covering your head or the woman not speaking in a church and there are many churches who have built and written, wrote on that. And guess what? There are many people, even you right now, till today, when you see someone with cap inside church, or you see someone that is not putting 
a, 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 a big heart. Somewhere in your religious mind, you're thinking, may God forgive this person. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Because there's a religious mind there that attacks that thing. But you see, if you read the context as to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and all the way down, you would understand who Apostle Paul was writing that letter to. So let's, let me read this context for you. 1 Corinthians, and start from the beginning. This is the, you know, the introductory part. Look at this. The first epistle of Paul to the Apostle, Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians was written between AD 55 and 57 in Ephesus. This letter addressed Christian life and conduct because some men in the church at Corinth visited him to report on the condition of the Corinthian church. Also, Paul had received a letter inquiring about doctrinal and ethical matters. This letter should be read with careful in conjunction with 2 Corinthians due to the fact that the second epistles addressed and resolved similar issues. The great love epistle in, in chapter 13 must be read in context. Love must accompany and inform the gift of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians reflects the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells in your heart and we should live only lives that reflect the unity, love, and holiness of God. Now, watch this. Apostle Paul actually wrote this letter in jail. And this was because they wrote him a letter about the challenges and the problem in the Corinthian church, the little church that he just planted. Everybody wanted to give a word. There was commotion. There was turmoil. So, Apostle Paul was writing a letter in response. That's why if you read 1 Corinthians, you will read a tone of aggression in Apostle Paul's voice. And you would also read a tone of correction in that. This gives you context as to how he was writing this letter to us. It helps you understand so that you see what he was trying to do there. Glory be to God. And so when you are able to read that verse of scripture, then you are able to address things and you know why, so that you are not taking scriptures out of context. Hallelujah. In fact, let me say this to you. At the time, Corinth, listen to this, Corinth was like the city center, is like what you call Babylonia. Babylon, pardon me. Or what you, or, 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 or what you call Syria of those days. Or what you call Lagos of these days. So it was the city center. And in fact, it was the place where they had the highest level of prostitution. Because it was a city center. If you come to Lagos, there are certain things you find in Lagos that you never find in Nasarawa. Or you never find in, a, in a, uh, sorry, I wanted to say Akure from Akure people, you know I love you. But you never find in, um, which state? In Jalingo. You find it in Lagos. Because Lagos is a city center. In fact, the current was close to the port. Go and read it. Go and check it. Go and check it geographically. It was close to the port. Most times we know that the port where there is a lot of water is like the place where Abuja, you see that in Port Harcourt, you see that in Lagos, and you go around the world, you see that there. And so when it was addressing the concept of people not wearing their air, um, not using, um, what, what do they call it, air, when they were complaining about that, why was he saying to them to cover their air? Because at the time, those women who were prostitutes were known by covering their air. So he was saying to them that, look, if you come in there, into the church, with covering on your hair, you look like those people as prostitutes. The prostitutes were the ones covering their hairs. So if you take that out of context, and you say nobody should cover their hair, everybody should cover their hair when they are coming to church, you are replaying it as though we are in Corinth. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, in our own days, there's a way to know a prostitute. Praise the Lord. 
But wait, so this new generation, there's no way to know anymore. Everything not stew. So you read context. Are you following what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. In fact, let me give you this assignment. If you want to read John, any verse of scripture, any chapter of scripture, go and read context first. When you read context, start reading the scripture. It helps you understand. It helps you to understand the tone. It helps you understand the language. Praise the name of the Lord. Number three. Number three. Oh no, number four. Use a concordance for cross-referencing. Use a concordance. How to study the scriptures. Use a concordance for cross-referencing. Now, let me show you guys something here. You know, I'm trying as much as possible to make it as... Now, I don't know how close the camera can zoom in to me. But I just opened a verse of scripture. This is my ad copy Bible. And I can, I can recommend some concordance to you guys. Look at this. What concordance does for you is to help you cross-reference. Which means that when, when you find the word in a place and you find it in another place, out of the mouth of two, three people, the truth is established. That's why we cross-reference. What does cross-reference mean? It means to see a scripture at one part and look at it from where it was from. I'll give an example to that. Remember the temptation of Jesus. Matthew chapter 4. Are you aware that every response that Jesus gave to the devil was found in the book of Deuteronomy? Cross-referencing. That's why you see Isaiah chapter 60, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord was upon me because he has anointed me to preach. Isaiah chapter 6, you will find the same thing. Cross-referencing. This is why it's very important. You see the truth in one place. That's why the truth is only established when we can find it somewhere else. We don't take one truth and run with that. Are you following what I'm saying? This is why we cross-reference. When we cross-reference one, two, three, bam, then the truth is established there. This is exactly why even in the judiciary, there is a need for what? A witness. The witness establishes the fact that this thing here is true. So when we cross-reference, it's like you witnessing that this thing right there is truth. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, the people who wrote the Bible has helped you even with cross-referencing. So if you have a hard, if you have a hard copy Bible, Bible, look at this. If I read, if I read now John chapter six and verse ten, right? John chapter six verse ten. It says Jesus said, "Make the make the people sit down." And now there were there were as much, and now there was much grass in the place. So the man sat down, numbering about five thousand. So I've read verse ten for you. Now. I'm sure many of you have wondered what this thing is in your Bible. I don't know how you can help me with this. All right. Let me just wait for the media, guys. Praise the Lord. Is somebody following me? All right. Just try as much as possible you can. I'll, I'll just try. If you have a hard copy Bible, you would always see one line in the middle. Did you see that? Have you seen this line before? In the middle. Okay, thank you. People might not see it very well, but it's fine. You see this line in the middle here? The purpose of this text that they put here is to cross-reference. Now, thank you. So you see the line here. It's to cross-reference. So if I read Isaiah, um, John chapter 6 and verse 3, you will see verse 3 here. John 6, 3. Can you see? All right. If you see verse 3 here, under verse 3, you will see at least two other texts 
that if you go back to it, what you read there in John chapter 6 verse 3 would be similar to three, the two other texts. For example, right here, John chapter 6 verse 3 and Luke chapter 9 and verse 28, John chapter 6 and verse 15 are similar texts that goes along with John chapter 6 and verse 3. Cross-referenced. So your hard copy Bible gives you ease to cross-reference. And believe it's also the same with some of the electronic Bibles that we use. For example, this is um, a concordance here. The new combined Bible dictionary and concordance. If you have a concordance, you can get a hard copy concordance. When you open the Bible, just open it up. If you want to read something around controversy, there are many... <laughs> I don't know why it's controversy I picked first. It's because some of you like controversy. So if that's the area of your specialty, you just open controversy. And when you open controversy, you see many other scriptures under controversy. If you have an e-Bible and you want to read about love, right? If you type love, yeah. Okay, my internet is not working. But all the text under love would come out. If you begin to read it one after the other, you begin to see the connection of love. Glory be to God. This is why the Bible says, listen to this. It says, study to show thyself approved. Did somebody get that right there? So you use concordance. Number five, read slowly, meditate, and ask questions. Wow, I need to run. I need to run. Time is really going. Read slowly, meditate, and ask questions. When you are reading the Bible, don't just be fast. And Jesus said to the woman, why did Jesus say? Think about it. When you read a powerful line that jumps at you, pause there. I always tell people this, don't be in a hurry to say I read 20 chapters in a day. If one line jumps at you, it's called the quickened word. When you see one line that jumps at you, it says hi to you. You know what I mean by saying hi? It comes at a light bulb in your spirit. God wants to highlight something there. Don't leave it quickly and just keep reading the rest. Stay on it. Why did Jesus say this thing? Then go to the Bible. Begin to look at the places where Jesus said something similar. Glory be to God. For example, in the, the, the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus cried with a loud voice, if anyone tests, let him come and drink of me waters. Out of, my, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What does water mean in the Bible? Look at water and begin to highlight it. Glory be to God. You realize that water is used for cleansing in the Bible. Water is actually Jesus as the word is used, you know, figuratively also in the Bible as water. Praise the Lord. Did you get that there? Number five, number six. Pray to God to speak to you and apply what he shows you. Pray to God to speak to you and apply what he shows you. Now, let me take it a little bit deeper now. Things to look out for when studying the Bible. Things to look out for when studying the Bible. Number one, listen to this. Whenever you are studying the Bible, there are five, there are six things that you must be looking out for. L listen to me, let me say this here. This is how I have studied the Word of God. Look, if you want the Word of God to carry power in your life, hear what I'm about to say to you. Number one, when you are studying the Word of God, what does it say about God? Whenever you are reading the Bible, look out for what does it say about God. 
And most often than not, 100% of the time, is talking about the faithfulness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the kindness of God, the long suffering of God. Every time you are reading the word of God, when the Bible says, Jesus says, don't worry, Lazarus, our brother, is sleeping. What does that mean to you? He's talking about the love of God, the tender mercy of God. Glory be to God. If you see the read, if you read in the Bible and just was hanged on the tree and it says it is finished, what does it is finished mean? It's talking about the love of God there. So you have to look at what does it say about God. Look out for that. What does it say about the person of God? What are the things that irritates the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit? What is it saying about the personality of God? What does it say about the personality of Jesus? What does it say about the personality of the Spirit? What does it say about the personality of the Father? What does it say about God? Number two. What, does the, what's it, what's it, what is it saying about me? When you read the word, what's it saying about me? Don't just read the word. When you are reading the story of Jairus, look at yourself in the story of Jairus. Amen. What is it saying about me? What are the promises? What are the prophecies? What are the revelation? What is it saying about me? So when you read Ephesians chapter 1, don't just read Ephesians chapter 1 to get a knowledge of Apostle Paul's life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What are you doing with the age of Methuselah? You're cramming Methuselah, Methuselah. Great. What does that one say about you? With long life, it will satisfy me. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So you are appropriating everything that... Are you following what I'm talking about there? What does the word say about me? Number three. Are there things, sins, situations, path to be avoided? What are the things to be avoided? See that a man diligent in his business, he will stand before kings and not, and not before main men. Have you found something to be avoided there, to avoid the laziness? In other words, if you say, see that a man that is diligent in his business, the opposite of diligent is laziness. In other words, see that a man who is not diligent in his business, he will never stand before kings and, never st and, and always stand before main men. So you have seen something to avoid there. I need to avoid laziness. A little sleep, a little slumber. So shall poverty make his first house your final bus stop. A little sleep, a little slumber. So shall some poverty come as a thief of the night. So you see that if you sleep too much, you are prepping yourself, you are walking your way to the top of a, of a place called povertology. If you sleep too much. A little sleep. So, are there things to be avoided here? Are there sins to be avoided here? The Bible says, shall we continue with grace that sin may, that we continue with sin, pardon me, that grace may abound. God forbid. And the Bible then shows us some kind of sin. That sin is not only, listen to us, listen to me, that sin is not only you slap somebody, you lie against somebody. The Bible puts it this way in the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 1 verse 2. It says, let us lay aside every weight and sin. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, there are things as weights that are also sin. All are the things that I can avoid. So whenever you are reading the scripture, you find the things that you avoid. Praise the Lord. The Bible puts it this way. It says, don't fear their fear. Don't call confederacy to what I've not called. Are you saying what I'm saying? Which means, if it says don't fear their fear, it's saying avoid talking in fear. What are the things I should avoid? So whenever you are reading the Bible, you are reading it from this lens. This lens I'm showing to you. Praise the Lord. Number four. 
Is there a promise to be claimed? Deuteronomy 6 verse 10. Psalms 44 verse 3. Ephesians 3.20. Is there a promise to be claimed? Is there a prophecy to be claimed? So when you are studying the word and you see a prophecy or you see a promise, the glory of this letter house shall surpass the former. Agai chapter 2 verse 9. That's a prophecy. That's a promise. Okay. You take it. You write it down. Because every promise in the word of God is covenanted by God. Write it down. Every promise in the word of God is covenanted by God. Every promise in the word of God is covenanted by God. Every promise in the word of God is covenanted by God. So if there is a promise there, you lay claim of it. Write down the promise and lay claim of it. Is there a promise to be claimed? Number five. Is there an example to follow? Look at this. Example to follow. If you continue in my words, then you are my disciples indeed. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's an example to follow. It means if I continue in the word of God, I will always know the truth. That's an example to follow. So, if I just stay with the word of God, I found an example. So, you are not just reading the word to quote it. If you continue with me, you know, my word, if you continue with me, then you are my disciples indeed. You will know the truth. And the truth of it. No, that text in itself is an example to follow. Continuing the word, truth will become a natural place for you to live in just by continuing the word. Are you following what I'm saying this evening? Is there an example to follow? Number six, is there a command to obey? Rejoice! I say to you, rejoice. It's not a suggestion. Did you see that? Is it a command? Yes. In all things, give thanks to God. A command, sir. Yes. It's a command to obey. Praise the Lord. Somebody rejoice. It's a command. Is there a command to obey? Look, every time you obey these commands, you are putting yourself in partnership with the word. And what the word can produce, then you begin to see it in your own life. So every time you're reading the word, you're looking out for that. What must I obey here? It says, what must I do to be saved? Question. Somebody following me. Write this down. What is the Bible? The Bible is a 66 book that contains prophecies Letters, histories, biography, written by people, moved by the Holy Spirit, and inspired by God, telling us a unified story about Jesus and his love for us. It's a 66 letter book that contains prophecies, letters, laws, history, biographies written by a people moved by the Spirit, inspired by God, telling us a unified story about Jesus and his love for us, the bride. Write this down. Five different ways to approach the study of the word. Number one, start with a book of the Bible starts with the book of the Bible now let me say something to you look at me everybody 
If you want, listen to me, everybody, please. If you want to understand Jesus, and I, I can say this and I can argue this out. I can argue this out. Contrary to many people's opinion, that go and read Matthew, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Act of the Apostles. I would highly recommend this to you. If you really want to read the Bible and understand it, start from the book of John. Hi! Have you read John before? The apostle that Jesus loved. There is a way John was... John writes the longest texts. So if you are not a long... If you are a lazy reader, you just forget about it. He writes the longest text. But if you read the, the, the depths of John's words... John chapter 1 verse 1 alone is three days, is a three days teaching. In the beginning was the word, the word was the God, and the word was God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. I, like, when you read those things, John was expounding, he was going into deeper things. Even saying things that the other apostles never said. The apostle that Jesus loved. I would highly recommend you to go and read the book of John chapter 1. All the way down. Read the whole book of John first. Then go and read Matthew, Mark, Luke. And the Acts of the Apostles. I know some of you like power. You go to Acts first. No. Understand Jesus. When you understand the bride, you would understand the spirit. Because the spirit and the bride that bids you to come. Are you following what I'm saying? Go and study Jesus first. When you read John first, start with the book of John. Look at how John got the revelation from the, from, from the, um, uh, yeah, from book in, in, in Revelation chapter 1 all the way to Revelation chapter 22. Look at what John was saying. The depth of thinking. The depth of revelation. Praise the Lord. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you want to, for example, today, what did I study today? I studied Ephesians, but I studied Proverbs. Because I want to have... Yeah. If you want daily wisdom, Proverbs is a very good book for you. Go read it. I know we don't talk much about some of those books anymore. We only tell the saints to read from Matthew all the way to Revelation. But everything contained in the word of God is the word of God. In the book of Proverbs, the Bible says, jealousy rottens the bone. Which means the problem of people's sickness, some people's sickness is envy and jealousy. You might not see it like that in Acts. Are you following what I'm saying? But you have power. You have anointing, but no result. There is something rotten in your bone. So go and read it. Are you following what I'm saying? So, start with the book of the Bible knowing the story behind it first. Number two, you can study a person. You can study Jesus. Now, listen to me. You can study both the success of the people and listen also, study also the, the negative sides as well. But look at me, look at me. While you are studying the negative side of those personalities, also look out for the things that they did that was successful. For example, people say that, oh, my time is really up. Okay. For example, there's a way we teach about Saul and makes him look like a bad, we make him look like a very bad king. 
I, I disagree. If you read the Bible very well, you'll understand that Saul wasn't a bad king. He was just a good man with a stupid head. <laughs> Does that really make him bad? Think about this. I'm a young boy coming to bring food to my brother. Never fought battles before. I come to you and I say, there is a Goliath, a Philistine fighting all of us. And I say, I've never fought, I've never trained as a soldier, never went to battle before, never went as a military guy, doesn't, don't know how to use a sword, don't know how to use a shield, but I have stone and I have sling and I can kill this Goliath. How many, think about that. Imagine I go to the president and say, I know the problem of Boko Haram and I can destroy Boko Haram just by throwing my phone up twice. And the king then says, the way you spoke, you seem like you have confidence. Oh, yeah, go and fight it. And not just that he was trying to trap him to kill him. He now offered his sword and his shield. Oh, yeah, go. So he tells us that Saul was a great leader with discernment. Had high level of leadership. He saw what others could not see. Give it to that guy. Many kings will say, what come on, get out of the way. Who graced you? Are you seeing that? So you see lessons. Are you following what I'm saying? Look at the life of uh, this guy with long hair, Samson. Don't always read Samson from the bad person. Samson, Samson, look at what Samson did. Think about this. Samson showed us the high point of mercy. The high point of mercy. That the last time on that thing, he said to, he, he, he asked God for that spirit to come upon him, came upon him and the people he killed was more than the one he killed in his lifetime at the end of his life. But you see what he said there. At the point of pain, he said the wrong thing. Are you aware that if Samson said to God, I still want my life, he said, let this happen and I die. If he said, I still want to live, oh God, let me have my life. I hope you are aware that Samson would have his life and he would have come out of that problem. But he said what he wanted. This also shows us the power of words in pain. That is, Saul, Esau would come in pain. That's why when you're reading the Bible, you have to see these things. Never negotiate under pressure. The person that has the upper hand in every negotiation is the person that is willing to walk out of that negotiation table. Don't come and say, give me a muscle of me. What is this in my lot? Is, what is the firstborn right? Under pressure, you are talking. You are saying things under pressure. Many people, you are operating the same circle of Saul, Esau, but you are abusing Esau every time we talk about Esau. So you read it from that lens. Are you getting what I'm saying? Very powerful, very important. So study the person. Number three, study a topic. You can study love. You can study joy. You can study peace. You can study hope. You can go on Google. All scriptures online on hope. If you, if you don't have faith, your finances is down. All scriptures on faith. Go and pick it out. And be reading it. And be reading it. And be reading it. I need to close now. My God. Number four. Number five, number four, five different approaches to study the Bible. That's what I'm talking about. A daily devotional. You can get a daily devotional. But I beg you, don't read it and close it and say, I finished my day. The purpose of a daily devotional is a guide. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have a daily devotional in, in King's Word. We have a daily devotional in the New. Use those daily devotional. If you are not subscribed to them, go subscribe to them. It helps you. Praise the Lord. Number six, number five, read through the Bible 
Now, three things you must observe when reading the Bible. Number one, who wrote it? Number two, to whom was it written to? Number three, what's the purpose? Finally, because of time, how to understand the Bible. This is very important. How do you understand the Bible? Number one, pray in the Spirit before you open your Bible. Or ask God to open up the scroll for you. Number one, pray in the Spirit. Ask God, Lord, I want to study my Bible right now. And I believe that I'm going to see things that I've never seen here before. Number one, do that. Number two, determine the literal meaning of the text. What do I mean by the literal meaning? First, before you start pulling out things. All right? Jesus says, come and walk on waters. Before you start saying that come, there means a philology. And the efficiencies of the wait, wait, calm down. What is the literal meaning of come? It means come. Full stop. Just know the literal meaning of those things first. Amen. A lot of times we preach our hard problem to your problem. Oh. Amen. Just know the literal meaning. The parables. What is the literal meaning of the parables? Amen. If you, start, if you do further maths, you must understand the formula first before you can apply it. So know the literal meaning first. That's the first thing. Number two. Interpret the Bible according to the context. I taught you about context earlier. So you interpret it according to the context. How to understand the Bible. Number three. Be aware of figure of speech. There are many figures of speech in the Bible. For example, lamp, dove, Praise the Lord. Figure of speech. When Jesus was speaking all the parables, many of those parables were figure of speeches. Are you following what I'm saying? So you'll be aware of what, what does this mean and what does this not mean. Number four. Be aware of biblical language. There are biblical languages. The bride of Christ. Covenant. Those are biblical languages. Be aware of them so that when you read the text of the Bible and you see some of those things, you know how to appropriate it. Praise the Lord. Number six is meditate on the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. Praise the Lord. Finally, let me close my Bible. I want to give you ten things. Was this helpful for you? Are you sure? Write these three things down. Make a final decision today that without this word, word, I can never fulfill the fullness of my calling on the earth. You know what it will do for you? It will create for you an active partnership with it. Without the word, I can never fulfill my fullest potential on the face of the earth. Number two, I'm, I'm teaching you, I'm, writing, I'm telling you convictions you must make in your heart towards the word. Convictions you must make in your heart towards the word. Number two, believe that God is willing and able. Is not only able, is also willing. Number three, Believe that God's disposition towards you is goodness, it's mercy, 
is kindness, is love, and it's long-suffering. Believe that's God's disposition towards you. When you believe that, you will read the Bible and believe for anything. Praise the Lord. Finally, 10 things to make that you must make a common practice in your life for an effective devotion. Let me just say this here. Also, you can get a marker. Um, next week, I'm going to teach a little bit more on that. When you're studying the Bible and there's something that highlights on your heart, you know, highlight it. Mark it down. You can do that also on your phone or your, on your gadgets. You know, next week, I'm going to talk more about meditation and how to get, how to convert. This is one of my biggest secrets in life, I tell you. The, the power to think through. Ah, that will be for next week. Ten things to make a common practice in your life for an effective devotion. How many of you want your devotion to be better? How many of you? All right. Number one, read the word. Read the word. Just read the word. Sometimes before you go to bed, you can make that to be the last thing you do before you sleep at night. You can make that to be the first thing you do before you check Twitter or Instagram. You can make that the first thing you do. Praise the Lord. Read the word. Number two, study the word. Study the word. Reading the word is different from studying the word. I taught you what it means to study the word. You are cross-referencing. You are checking. You are highlighting. You are looking. You are asking questions. You are studying the word. And listen, reading is great, but studying is what gets it into your spirit. Study is the conversion, is the converter of the word. Studying the word. Number three, prayer. How to make a, what, 10 things to make a, as a common practice in your life as an effective devotion, for an effective devotion, prayer. Make prayer a common practice. Number three, worship, praises, and thanksgiving. Make these things a common practice. Ensure that there's no day that goes by without you applying yourself to these things. Number five, meditation. Number six, rejoicing. Number seven, discerning the Holy Spirit and, his, and, and angels. Just going by the day and saying, Holy Spirit, I know you are here. Just being aware of his presence. Angels, I know you are around me. Number seven, number eight, flowing with the gift of the Spirit. The anointing increases by the reason of use. Every gift increases by the reason of use. That's why if somebody begins to sing and a very good singer, the more they sing, the more they get better in singing. Every time you utilize the gift of the Spirit, it gives you a consciousness of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Number nine is conversation with the Holy Spirit. Number ten, observations of sequences and rhythms that God brings to your life. Observation. Observation of conversations, observations of things, just being observant. Finally, honor. Honor. Praise the Lord. John 15 and verse 5. John 15 and verse 5. Can we read this together? One, two, three, go. One, oh, okay, it's not there. One, two, three, go. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, 
the same bringeth much fruit. Say it one more time. Without me, you can do nothing. It means that without the word, you can do nothing. May the Lord put upon your spirit a passion for the word. In Jesus' name. Who is going to take your devotion serious this year? And how many of you are going to apply the things you heard today? In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much he wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in his presence.